A reminder, if you get ahead in the reading, please refrain from ruining the ending for the rest of us. Anyone sharing spoilers can just stick it where the red fern grows. For Bring Your Grandparent to Class Day, I'm very excited to introduce my grandfather, Edward Kennedy, who's been working in Hollywood for decades. Hello, class. Yes. Hi. Nice to meet you all. I'm a lifelong first AC. That's assistant camera to you kiddos unfamiliar with movie making jargon. Yes. And although he's worked on countless movies, for some reason, all he wanted to talk about today was the 1994 movie Revenge of the Red Baron, even though he's told me the story a thousand times. It's not a story. It's my life. The picture was a big deal. I was 66 years old, and it was my one and only bump to cinematographer. I shot the Revenge of the Red Baron. What a film. Long before Spider-Man and Poco Addictions, it was one of that scamp of Tobey Maguire's first pictures. It starred legendary comedian Mickey Rooney two years before he declared bankruptcy. SNL alum Lorraine Newman was also there. Wow, Grandpa, that is an impressive lineup of talent. What's the movie about? Oh, it's a delightful family action comedy about the Red Baron coming back to life in the form of a horrifying puppet in a model plane. He swears to exact revenge on the man who shot him down and his entire family and hunts them in incredibly graphic ways, including electrocuting Tobey Maguire's father in a pool and gunning down every ancillary character in his way. Wait, what? How is this a family comedy? This sounds like a horror film ripping off the Chucky franchise. Well, you know it's a comedy because jaunty ragtime music plays over all the borders. And because Michael McDonald of future at Mad TV fame wrote it to give the Red Baron a ton of groan-worthy anachronistic one-liners. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Well, before we get too much further into this, I should probably get a photo with you, Grandpa, to commemorate this special day. Uh, Josh, you have the better iPhone. Could you take a picture of me and my Grandpa? Oh, sure thing. iPhone. More like Diphone. Ah! Oh my god! Oh my god! Josh has just been gunned down by a man in a model plane? How could the bullets from that toy even kill a person? Why are you so upset? Now when you go on your honeymoon, everything will be half off. <laughs> oh no, I knew this day would come. The Red Baron has come back to exact his revenge. Why? You shot me, Herr Kennedy, and you didn't use favorable lighting. I looked like I had a double chin in the whole movie. Of course you did. You're a marionette. A double chin is part of your design. Well, I am Savan pulling the strings now here, Kennedy. My agent could not get me a job after the picture. Not even on Muppets Tonight. Muppets Tonight of all things. No one remembers that crawfish host. Face it, Baron. Your career is over. It's never over. Our teacher, Mr. Marlowe, stands up and tries to calm down the class. Mr. Marlowe, parentheses, says something while trying to calm down the class that's funny that probably either Greg or Casey will write later. <laughs> Sorry, head teacher. Class is dismissed. This doesn't make sense! 
Historically, it's not even like the Red Baron was an evil guy. I mean, yes, he fought for the Germans, but pilots in World War I almost had a removed existence from the rest of the war, governed by a code of honor in their dogfights. I don't think he would be gunning down random civilians and children. You may be right, but you have to remember this isn't the Red Baron. This is the puppet that started the movie, The Revenge of the Red Baron. <laughs> that makes even less sense! <laughs> oh God, the pain! It's true what they say. America really does have a school shooting epidemic. <laughs> I just can't get enough of that Red Baron's hilarious family-friendly one-liners. <laughs> Nothing about this is family-friendly! Grandpa, how do we stop him? He can't be killed by normal means. Why? Because it's a plot device. Allow me to help you find your burial plot device. It's no use. He won't stop until my entire family is dead. Wait, that's it. I know the solution. You're not actually my grandfather. You're an imaginary character I made up for the purpose of this book report. You never existed. The real cinematographer for The Revenge of the Red Baron was Christian Seabolt. Christian Seabolt? Well, we'll Seabolt that! <laughs> well... That solution makes about as much sense as it did in the movie, but at least it's all over. It's never over, Fraulein Kennedy! <laughs> Jimmy Spencer is going to spend the week with his dad and grandpa. What's that boy's name again? Jeez, dad, it's the same as yours. Whoa, well, what's mine? Grandpa was a flying ace in World War I and shot down the Red Baron. The meet again, Herr Spencer. Not gonna stop until every Spencer is dead. Now Jimmy and his family must protect themselves. Revenge of the Red Baron, a fun-filled comedy the whole family can enjoy. Oh, whoo! Well, as we pick ourselves up from the carnage of whatever just happened, let's do the roll call of whoever's left. Oh my god, Josh Roth is alive! Ah, <laughs> Guys, beauty is in the gun sights of the beholder. <laughs> Casey Regan. All right, listen up, Hollywood. This movie is exactly the sort of speculative historical fiction I am looking for. <laughs> Give me a movie where D.B. Cooper's escape parachute <laughs> blows him to the North Pole, and through some sort of hijinks, he has to become the new Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a movie where the mob swaps Jimmy Hoffa's brain with the brain of a rat so that rat Jimmy Hoffa and Jimmy Hoffa rat can pull a Willard on Angelo Bruno. <laughs> Give me a weird science, but one where two hopelessly virgin adult Boy Scouts uncover the lost tomb of Cleopatra. And listen to me, Hollywood. If that sexy mummy doesn't do a cover called rock like an Egyptian. <laughs> I'm coming for you. This is not over here, Hollywood. <laughs>
Greg Hansen. Well, what I loved about this movie is that it is loaded with rich, melty mozzarella cheese. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I mean, it's that it's got a buttery, <laughs> crunchy crust stuffed with oozing dairy goodness. And Mickey Rooney's performance was as sumptuous as Red Baron's signature Pomodoro and Roma tomato sauce. So pop one in the oven today. <laughs> We have time to get the official sponsorship. Should we start courting them now in time for this episode? <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I would love Red Baron. Honestly, if you're out there, please send us microwavable pieces. <laughs> I am not a paid sponsor. I am just a fan, a great appreciator. Please, please send us those pizzas. Use the coupon code. <laughs> Die holder. Go to any Wawa in the tri-state area and say video high sent you. <laughs> and they'll kick you out. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has ever described microwavable pizza as sumptuous. Or Mickey Rooney. He is delicious looking though. Honestly, that man is like a, yeah, he's like a fucking sweet dumpling. Please don't compare him to a dumpling that brings back too many harmful racial stereotypes from his role in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> More like a giyauza. <laughs> wow. Wowie. I was so excited to see him in this movie because he, for me, was like, I think the first celebrity I was aware of. Like, my earliest memory is like, he was in so many of these types of movies in like the early 90s. Like, Pete's Dragon was mm -hmm. like the stuff that I grew up on. And so, like, in my youngest memories, he is the only celebrity. He was my first. Mickey Rooney was my first. Does anyone know? I don't, I, I didn't do much press into his personal life. Was he an alcoholic? Because he seemed drunk during this <laughs> well, entire filming. Honestly, yeah. If I didn't know that he had 20 years of life and more than 20 movies ahead of him after this movie, yeah. I would have been very afraid for like his impending mortality watching this. Like, And I don't know if that's a good performance or if he was drunk. Right. <laughs> I was trying to do the math of like how old they were trying to play Lorraine Newman and Clifty Young as. Because I I was like, wait, if he was like 18 in nine, at least like <laughs> like military serving age in 1918, how old was he when he had these mother to have like a, so that they have a 16 year old kid in 1994? Oh, I, I was trying to do the math, and I think just in my very nerdy research, Clifty Young was born in 1940 something. So it was like it makes sense. It actually isn't so crazy. In looking that up, I was like, oh, but Mickey Rooney was like born during World War One. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Like for this movie, he's only like 70, but he's, he's playing. He's 73 and he's playing 93. And he passed away at 93. And he right? passed away 20 years later. Some might say that <sighs> was the true revenge of the Red Baron. <laughs> Perhaps the Baron came back for him. Oh, God. Because uh -oh. we do know the Red Baron is about ending bloodlines. <laughs> like, that, like this movie, the Baron's revenge is very scorched earth. This is such a bloody, bloody movie. That little figurine wanted to salt the earth Mickey Rooney built a home on. Like. Yeah. If you so much as had a sentence of a conversation with Mickey Rooney, the Red Baron wants you dead. <laughs> yeah, right. He kills everyone, not even associated, but like tangentially in the same yeah. room. Excuse me, has Haas Spencer bought gas from this gas station before? <laughs> I don't know, man.
Uh, can't take the risk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse who tried to kill Herr Spencer, you knew Herr Spencer. <laughs> now you know no more. If you have borrowed Herr Spencer's Weedmacher, you would have consulted with the enemy. <laughs> yeah, this movie is wild. For so many reasons. For so reasons. many, so many reasons, yo. But the body count of this movie is so high. It is higher it's... than like a Halloween movie, than a Chucky yeah. movie. So many people die. Or most movies about World War One, yeah. like don't match the body count of this movie. This giant dog fighting through the air quotes family comedy has probably like at least our second highest body count. It is baffling. I really got down with the confusing tone of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I really, really liked it. Its tonal shifts at first felt very sudden and then got a bit gooier as the movie went on and the shifts away from silly family comedy those scenes became less silly family comedy and more like quiet sort of like pensive family's dysfunctional drama I don't know if you guys have looked at the poster for this movie yes who's that child wait no who is that that child what is the poster It's not future superstar Toby Maguire. It's someone who's not in the movie. Yeah. The Revenge of the Red Baron introducing Toby Maguire just behind this other kid. Also, introducing Toby Maguire in the trailer is wild because if you look at his IMDb, he's had no less than 10 credits yes. before this. Yeah. No, but this was the one that really made him. <laughs> this, this is the first time you see him on a VHS in your local video store. But you don't. Well, you don't. You, you don't. just see some other kid. <laughs> Okay, so also something that is worth noting before we get into all of this. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in case you didn't know, the director for this movie, Robert Gordon, made this movie in 1994. In 1995, he edited Toy Story. What? Everyone else who is above the line or whatever on Toy Story went on to like make other Pixar movies and Robert Gordon seems to be the one guy in that like main crew from Tux- like he co-edited Toy Story with the guy who went on to direct Coco. Right. Oh, Lee Uncrich. Lee Uncrich, yeah. 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 So, I don't know what Robert Gordon was talking about in that booth, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to kill Mickey Rooney with a toy plane. (laughs) And John Lasseter was like, yeah, probably enough with this guy. I think we got the inner circle worked out. This explains some of Woody's more homicidal tendencies in your story. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Woody needs to shove Buzz out the window. What? (laughs) Listen, this movie's rated PG, not G. We gotta go for the hard PG. Then Woody's head will spin around to face behind him. And then he'll look Sid in the eye and finally reveal himself by saying, fuck you, you piece of shit. And John Lasseter was like, I like half of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, wait, Toy Story and the opening credits of this movie are incredibly bad CGI. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Incredibly bad? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry, masterful. That was so fun. Yeah, so they had the the, the opening titles for this movie. They did not have the budget or technical wherewithal, I think, to have a continuous shot of a plane flying through credits. So you'll see, see it occasionally go to the left of the screen, then like, dissolve and pretend that no it's the same shot it's the same shot and it flies back and meanwhile (laughs) all of the titles are microsoft word art basically this movie had me hooked tonally 
from like second one because we open on a dog fight over France in World War One. France or Southern California? <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed they got planes. I'm amazed they got five planes. <laughs> Josh, I, I don't want to embarrass you, man, but the the lower third did say France. So. <laughs> well, let, let me I don't know check, where check you're check getting notes. Southern California. France, 19. I'm sorry, Casey. No, but we open on a dog fight over France in World War One, 1918. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda is shooting down all of the Allied troops. <laughs> yeah. God, I wish I knew any song from Hamilton to he, parody. He's not throwing away his shot. That's what I'm oh. saying. Oh. It's over, Baron! It's never over here, Spencer. Never. We should say Toby Maguire also plays his grand, his young Mickey version Rudy, of his yeah. grandfather, yeah, young Mickey Rooney, who shoots down the Baron. And while we're watching the Red Baron like kill members of the British Royal Flying Corps, we're watching people die, and we're listening to just the jauntiest vaudeville player piano <laughs> ragtime. Like, it's and that it's juxtaposition insane. really grabbed me because I, my my knowledge, and I don't know if y'all are more history buffy than me. My knowledge of the Red Baron begins and ends with cheap pizza and Snoopy cartoons. <laughs> I don't remember most of the facts, but I remember in middle school being kind of obsessed with the World War One fighter pilots because they did seem to exist in an entirely different world where on the ground you have like some of the worst atrocities ever to happen in warfare evolving like we get the beginnings of chemical right. warfare trench warfare millions of people dying but then you have in the air this like very poetic graceful kind of way of fighting that's governed by a code and like you know people would salute people when they shot them down because they all respected each other like it it, it felt more like theater than war <laughs> I, but isn't that, that is in the imagination of... Of how we've described it. Since yeah, then? I yeah, think yeah. it's less graceful when a 50 caliber bullet has torn apart your engine yeah. and a piece of fucking hull is sticking out of your temple <laughs> and you're about to crash in the ocean. I think it loses some of its grace. But if you think about it, they're, they are in their, in their planes piping in... Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's great mystery surrounding the the legend of the Red Baron because no one can really prove who shot him down. That's the whole thing about it, where people have come forward and said, I was the one who shot down the Red Baron, but no one has ever conclusively determined who who killed this mid 20s something <laughs> right he was like 25 he was 25 when he died, when wow, he died. Really? Like, killed confirmed 80 people yeah and, you know what i started reading about this motherfucker real name red baronini <laughs> yeah, manfred albrecht von richthofen was like a guy in his fucking early 20s who's just like shooting people out of the sky i fun facts about him he took fucking ghoulish souvenirs from the like planes he shot down from the people he killed you gotta disassociate you know <laughs> <laughs> right exactly it's the only you way gotta, to make it through truly like some psycho shit started to buy little silver like goblets to commemorate every kill had to stop at 60 because it started to get ridiculous because they like <laughs> the silver smith he was going to was like i can't keep making you these silver cups like this is <laughs> i did a little reading as well apparently of the three people that are commonly understood to have possibly killed him they all corroborate the same story which is when they found his body in the wreckage and he's still alive apparently his final word was kaput 
<laughs> dope. That's Great. Dope. That's not a joke. That's so oh good. God, that's not a joke. I love that. So good. It's incredible. It really does set the wild, wild tone for the rest of the film. The Red Baron dies. He gets hit by like lightning and erupts into terrible CGI. Yeah, and clip art. Clip, clip art, art explosion. A clip art explosion, <laughs> which is also the name of my 90s emo band. <laughs> yeah, the tone of this movie is all over the place and is really underlined by the thing that we see see immediately after the credits, <laughs> yes, which is yes, an yes. NES flight simulator and Tobey Maguire wearing a puka shell necklace yes. in, <laughs> in his room, which is completely spray painted like it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers music video. Yeah, he lives in the gang hideout from the first Ninja Turtles movie. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. throughout his whole career, Tobey Maguire is not like an understated actor. No. Like he's big emotions. He's yeah. like, and he and or he can be just like a quiet little weasel, but he is definitely like a scene chewer. I thought he was really well cast in this. There is a darkness to Tobey Maguire too. There, <laughs> there is there like is. A, yeah, we wait, saw wait, it yeah, in Spider Man Three. <laughs> The best of them. This role for him felt very natural. I believed him to be like a well-intentioned sort of like punk. At the same time, I also believed when like the adults around him were being like, you're going down a really bad road and people are scared of you. I believe that too. Oh, yeah, we all yeah, grew yeah. up in the 90s, came into our own like in the early 2000s. We knew people who wore big baggy black t-shirts and like yep. puka shells and chains and had like <laughs> mid parts yep. who would have been perfectly understandable if they like set the school on fire or something <laughs> like that. I mean, also you can't blame somebody. It's 1994 and he's still playing NES, which means that yep. his mom has not upgraded him to a 16-bit <laughs> system in a 16 -bit bit world his mom must be fucking stupid if she comes into his room and all he needs to do is put a sheet over a, a clearly still <laughs> on television and suddenly she's like nah, there's no way he could be playing video games yeah. right now instead of doing homework right. well, Lorraine Newman plays his mom and she's I love Lorraine Newman yeah. I love seeing her and stuff like in the beginning of the movie she's like sort of a non-entity but like later when she like gets behind him is like the first person to believe that the <laughs> Red Baron is in fact back from the dead <laughs> and is trying to kill the family. Like she was fucking ride or die. I really yep. liked that portrayal of a mom in these type of movies. Well, that's that kind of like... the arc too for the two of them because you know yeah. he he is a habitual liar. He has been suspended from school for picking a fight <laughs> and pushing his English teacher, which like yeah, that's yeah. a warning sign. Putting him in traction, yeah. putting like <laughs> like injuring seriously injuring the teacher. You know she wants to believe him, but he he keeps giving her no reason to believe that he's anything less than a liar. Tell me about English class. If you're talking about Mr. Pallotta, he pushed me first. I'd like to believe you, but since Mr. Pallotta is a teacher and he's the one in traction, most people believe him. He accused me of cheating. For God's sakes, Jimmy, it's bad enough that you fight with other students, but now a teacher? Lying about it only makes it worse. Of course, then you have the boy who cried wolf later on when crazy things start happening. He actually is telling the truth right. and no one believes him, but she is the first person to be like, no, I do believe you. It's kind of touching and also weird. <laughs> oh, everyone immediately thinks this 16-year-old prankster, this fucking Bart Simpson is a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> well, most people do. There's just... Just his yep. mom. During this suspended week to get some discipline back into your life, we're going to send you to live in the country, the country. with your father. <laughs> Malibu. Which, that's Mal that's, yeah, that was just Beverly Hills, right? That was... 
it was like so obviously Beverly Hills. And I sort of. Mulholland Drive counts as the country. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually, at first I was laughing about, because I was expecting it to be like a a barn or something. And I'm guessing that is what Michael McDonald thought as well. (laughs) LA people, what would be like the rough and tumble suburb of. Santa Clarita. Yep. Yeah, to like live somewhere like that and to call Beverly Hills or like the country country. is pretty funny. Lorraine Newman brings Toby Maguire to Mickey Rooney, which is a great (laughs) sentence we get to say for a podcast. Mickey Rooney brings it to this movie. Fucking kills it, man. That's a a pro right there. Again, thought he was actually dying. Uh Yeah, the beginning of the movie, I was like, is he having a stroke right now? Like, he seemed to be forgetting what words are. How are you doing? You feeling all right? Well, I'm feeling fine now. Five minutes more. Uh, and I might have been, been dead. For the first 18 to 20 lines that he has, he's sort of just like, hey, kid, what's going on? <laughs> I haven't seen you in a dog's age. I like planes. I told you about that. <laughs> yeah, he, when he shows him his like plane collection, he's like, yeah, I cut them down. Let's go. They're not meant to be sitting up there. The, the dad comes in. He's like, why are you cutting down these planes? And then Mickey Mickey Rooney's like, I don't know, he's a fucking crazy kid. <laughs> yeah, Grandpa sells him out immediately. immediately. Why, why, why is Toby Maguire? I guess maybe that's like the weird thing about kids on the skids yeah. who have like trouble with authority where you just gotta fuck with them and then apparently they're just like, all right, you cool. Like, you sold me out. All right. <laughs> game recognized game. And the dad is such a humongous asshole. Yeah. Oh my the, God. The dad is the true villain of this movie. He's a huge piece of shit, but there's a part of me that like, found myself at least somewhat sympathizing with him. Really? When he died or before then? No, maybe it's just because the actor Cliff Young, who is like a recognizable face. I know he's sort of, I feel for him because he's cursed to be the less famous Wings Hauser. Oh, which is just, oh. <laughs> which is I was just... gonna say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's, it's wild to be a bargain basement wings house. I know. Like, it's like, it's truly a curse. This movie, if it's about anything, it's about generational trauma. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just found it like his deep desire to kill, which sent him across the Atlantic to fight in World War One amidst the Royal Flying Corps, carried over into like the deep resentment and sort of like suburban rage of the dad, who is like so <laughs> bummed he doesn't get to like shoot a home intruder mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> oh yeah oh that ab- like cycle of generational trauma and abuse boils down to toby mcguire who is just like a hothead a kid who like every defense mechanism is violence and he carries knives there's just guns all over this house and the generational trauma is then personified in the return of this red baron it is a blight that has like haunted mm. this family down and will be the demise of this family the dad is is sympathetic not because he is like a good guy, but because he is doomed and he has no idea. <laughs> so Jimmy, played by Toby Maguire, is at his dickhead dad's place for his suspended week off. His blathering old man grandpa who keeps telling him the same damn story about <laughs> shooting down the Red Baron in Ugh. 1918, which we've heard a million times. I, I shot Von Richthofen down. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Then I also... Had a, a piece of lead that was in my behind uh, that I took out, melted it down, and I put it in that too. And uh, you could say that 
Von Richthofen was a pain in my ass. <laughs> right, well, I'm gonna go unpack, Grandpa. My grandfather's told me about the one of the most famous like incidents in global military history. history. Yeah, he, he also knows where Lincoln's treasures buried. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy, it was me. I was standing on the grassy knoll, and I was all in gold paint, dressed as the god Apollo, with a rifle in my. I've heard it before, Grandpa. <laughs> Apparently, they keep Grandpa in a tower in this estate where where they don't have to put up with him very much, which is also weird because he's in a wheelchair the whole time. But apparently also like somebody has to take him up and down like nine flights of yep. stairs to get him to his <laughs> playroom. I also was curious whether it was his grandpa's house or his dad's house. Like is his dad uh. rich and caring for his father or yes, is his that's, grandfather that's I... rich and his dad is mooching off of the grandfather? If we've learned anything about the way that this country treats its veterans, it is the former. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy is cutting the hedges and Grandpa flies a plane straight into him in such a jerk move. Yeah. Well, you got to establish how dangerous this plane is. These are huge. They're these massive. are monstrous planes. If you were to like retail these, would be like thousands yeah, yeah. of dollars. Oh yeah. And he tells him that he built the Red Baron plane out of pieces of the Red Baron's actual not possible plane. <laughs> the, not possible. Definitely not. Scale doesn't make sense. Also, no. these. These controllers that they're using to fly these planes have to be brought in by fucking Clydesdale. They're so big. <laughs> like you can't you can't hold them. They're so big. No. These guys did keep like even the Red Baron himself. I read his home is decorated with fabric, serial numbers, instruments, and machine guns looted from Allied wreckage. They okay. are sadists. <laughs> I think it's more to say, though, that you can't build a tiny plane out of real metal. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. It won't true. fly, baby. We don't know. They say, I made this model with pieces from the wreckage. We don't know what pieces he took. It might have been, like, a femur. It could have been, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, bits of... A skull. Oh, yeah, blood teeth. magic. Blood right. magic. Got it, got it, got it. There's real elements of curse in this movie. But also, was there a wreckage? Because this movie assumes he was struck by lightning and disappeared through time. Well, through time and clip art. Maybe the plane fell when his body was... That we didn't see. That we didn't see. Yeah. Because they, they couldn't afford to crash a plane. Yeah. It's a little Philadelphia experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and between this scene and the scene before with Jimmy and his father, and Jimmy's father confiscates his knife from him, Tobey Maguire gives a number of these, like, I'm going to buy and sell you one day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, Hell yeah. He's like, I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? Because it's the fucking ground. <laughs> he is a dark performer. I like Tobey Maguire in movies for that reason. In real life, more problematic, but in movies, very fun. <laughs> when I think dark and tortured, I think full Adidas gear. Oh my god, this movie's sponsored by Adidas. And Puka Shell. Speaking of a um, generation trauma. Can I tell you guys a lovely Regan family story that this movie reminds yes. me of? So I was not privy to this. I, it was either just before I was alive or too young to have been truly involved. But my uncle who lived right next door to us, he had a year where he got like really into model planes the size and scope of which were like this. Because in Tewksbury... Was it in 1994? Uh, <laughs> I can, I can neither confirm nor deny uh, my family's involvement in this tragedy. Uh, many of them have moved to our Argentina. The Regan boys of the Brazil. Regan boys of Brazil. <laughs> the Regan boys of Buenos Aires. The legend of the story is he spent like a year so finely crafting. And I can believe it because this is the same man I many years later watched put six 
different layers of lacquer on a cornhole board because he wanted the slide to be perfect. <laughs> but he spent like a full year building this beautiful, big, expensive model plane because in my hometown, there's this like tiny little field that this like club of middle-aged men go with their $1,000 model planes and fly them around and they're a little inner circle. They shun outsiders and you have to earn a spot in them. And for some reason, that became important to my uncle. So finally, he finishes it and he brings it and our family down to this field and it's like, you know, fucking proud first day of kindergarten with your new threads on like he's just like beaming excited and he puts the plane down and you know sets everything up and the family comes you know they do a countdown and then they take off and the plane takes off beautifully starts like cresting into the skyline like cutting this beautiful image across the clouds right and then he tries to turn it around and the plane does not respond <laughs> he tries to bring it in for a landing and the plane does not respond and uh, oh, apparently no. the plane just started flying away <laughs> like into the distance into the beyond into the future into forever like this thing he had worked for a year on <laughs> to impress these people all of them watching too just like became this tiny dot in the distance and my dad says what uh, like they were so unsure of what to do to laugh to cry to run after it and i so i asked what did you and my dad said well the only thing i could do was salute <laughs> And I love that so goddamn much. So Jimmy and Edward do some bonding over flying the model planes. It's important to note that Grandpa was flying his own plane and uh, Toby Maguire flying the Red Baron because yes. at one point yes. Toby Maguire, sick of hearing this old story from his famous war hero grandfather. You hear me, Manfred? You're no match for me. <laughs> What did you say? There's like something so twisted about being like, it is not over here, Spencer, to like your traumatized 93-year-old veteran grandfather. But it's like a moment of, of possession where yeah. he's like possessed by the Red Baron spirit. Okay, so I just quickly did a quick search. So Adidas is a German company. What? Wait, really? Yeah, it was founded by Adolf Dassler and Rudolf Dassler in 1949. <laughs> the fact that it so happens that this like total villain teen shows up, gets possessed by the voice of a dead <laughs> enemy, and then a killing spree happens to happen around him <laughs> throughout the rest of the movie while he's wearing emblazoned on his chest like basically like look at me i'm a german <laughs> i think he's Ooh. the revenge of the red baron oh. and this is all in his oh. mind i mean that makes more logical sense i'm just gonna say during the dogfight, the red baron's plane is hit by lightning and dematerializes and then moments later rematerializes but the plane has like a mind of its own and it flies straight at Grandpa, scaring him. And Mickey Rooney brings some serious pathos to this scene where he's having a heart attack or palpitations and he needs Jimmy to like get his- Altoids. Uh, his, yeah. his Altoids from his jacket pocket, which will come back later. Yeah, Chekhov's pills. Yep. <laughs> Damn, I wish you'd give this Red Baron stuff a rest. You know, Dad, the planes are, they're fun. 
Yeah, I'm sure they're fun. I'm sure they're a hell of a lot more fun than doing the chores you're supposed to do. I've been here one day, and already you've had me trim your bushes. I finished your stupid lawn. Yeah, look, and you almost finished Grandpa, too. Let's eat. And this is like Jimmy's dad at his... I think most assholeish. Oh, peak. Jimmy tries to explain, like, it was so weird. Lightning struck and it started acting weird. And Jimmy's dad just starts kind of making offhanded comments about wishing his ex-wife could be struck by lightning. And man, how great would that be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, not even funny. It's just, uh, everyone's unhinged. Everyone but Lorraine Newman is unhinged in this movie. If anything in this movie makes me think that this family is actually just a bunch of maniacs, it's the next scene, which is Cliff Young, the dad, and and Tobey Maguire are having lunch, and Cliff Young is just pouring a Peroni into a glass for lunch. Yeah. It's just like, do you think you're at the Olive Garden right now? Like, <laughs> who just stocks Peroni in the middle of the fucking hills in LA? Like, I don't yeah, know. Fucking, yeah, exactly. Fucking depressed, wealthy mansion owners in Beverly Hills who just like get drunk all day and hate their family. <laughs> that's, your, that's, that's 101, baby. In a small way... The Red Baron made his revenge truly complete when he steals from Tobey Maguire and Clifty Young at like one genuine father-son moment they're about to share. Clifty Young swims over and is like, You like Grandpa's plane, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really perfect in every detail. He's really into it. Especially this engine thing. Ah! 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 Hey, did you do that? No, oh, I Throw that damn thing away before it kills somebody. Thousands of dollars worth of a plane. (laughs) With priceless artifacts embedded in it. He did try to, like, talk to his kid, but, like, the universe, the Red Baron, has conspired to, like, totally ruin this family to like not only kill them but just destroy them emotionally right right, exactly because as it's revealed later when the red baron says jimmy i never did anything you didn't want to do yourself like he's honing in on every bad thought jimmy's ever had towards someone and what he wishes they could do it's a monkey's paw situation suffice it to say this movie has some fatherland issues (laughs) no which is oh my god wait i just had another realization sorry so if the red baron is acting on jimmy's subconscious while all also trying to kill Jimmy. That's where the line gets drawn a little bit. It's yeah. interesting the scene that he go where he goes after Lorraine Newman. Like he could have easily killed her a couple of times, but honestly, I think his purpose in that Ooh. scene was to get her to believe Jimmy. Oh, which is all that Jimmy wanted. He wanted right. his mom to believe him, and so like he could have easily killed her, like he killed anyone else. It was more of a show so that there would be no doubt in her mind anymore that the Red Baron was indeed a toy exacting revenge on right. the men of their family. Like in the question of why. In the world, would the Red Baron have killed the ancillary characters in this movie, even though expressly in like in his purpose, he said, I'm here to end the bloodline. The answer is all of the people who die are people who have wronged Jimmy. Yeah. Mm, there's yeah. like no one who dies other than the gas station attendant, yeah. which, you know, if we're going to. We don't even know he dies. Like, we don't even know if he dies. We don't know he dies. But also, like, I don't know, serial killers kill weirdo, like, just kill regular people too. Yeah. But, Anton like, Sugar, jo- ro- you know, rolls up to. <laughs> yeah. Call it mine, friend. But everybody else, like, the Red Baron does a horrible job at killing the bloodline. Yeah. The only one he actually kills of them is 
his horrible piece of shit dad who totally deserves it. Wow, What's funny yeah. about this movie, and we sort of went by it, is there is never a moment of mystery. That scene ends with like a close-up shot to no music sting or anything of the Red Baron toy like looking at camera and like blinking its eyes. It's so <laughs> nonchalant about yeah. letting us know that, oh right, the toy, it's alive now. We also need to <laughs> yes. establish yes. something. Yes, yes Which we is do. the Red Baron close-up toy <laughs> looks nothing like the Red Baron Baron toy that's actually in all the wide no, shots. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. 0%. And he goes from G.I. Joe to To Thomas the Tank Engine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's full on marionette ventriloquist dummy when it's in the close-up shots. And then every time it pulls back, it's just a tiny little toy. And it's a completely different figure. The yes. shape of the face com- yes. is yeah. completely different. It looks like an unanimated Rankin Bass puppet. Jimmy's dad tells him to throw away the plane, and this is when Jimmy. Jimmy passes the neighbor. The first moment that truly had me dropping my jaw is Toby <laughs> Maguire going to a chain link fence at yes. his dad's palatial estate, and there is a cigar chomping rich man <laughs> waiting neighbor. for him. He's like an omnipresent god who knows everything that's happening currently, even though he's not actually privy to it. And fucking yeah. Toby Maguire <laughs> just curses him the fuck out. He said to throw it away. That damn thing's too noisy. Get rid of it. Why don't you mind your own business, you decrepit piece of shit? Hey, don't talk to me that way. I thought they were going to be friends at first. I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, your dad's a bit of an asshole. And they were going to, like, team up. And also, the guy's, like, 48. Like, yeah. he's not decrepit at no. all. <laughs> I mean, but you got to give it to Tobey Maguire for, like, some movies. You see, like, soon-to-be famous actors in them. And you're like, this person is a star in waiting. <laughs> yeah. This movie yeah. does not belie that for Tobey Maguire <laughs> at all. He is. No, uh-huh. if you showed this and you were like, this guy's going to be Spider-Man. You'd be yeah. like, no. 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 <laughs> what? Incorrect. And not no. to say he's doing a bad job. He's just chewing the scenery along with everybody else in a way that, like, you don't look at it and go, like, this kid's got the goods. <laughs> Which also makes total sense considering Spider-Man is helmed by Sam Raimi. So, like, right. I'm sure he saw something like this and it was just like, zing! <laughs> get, yeah. get him on the phone! Jimmy comes back. Grandpa tells the dad that he's too hard on Jimmy. And then Lou, the neighbor, asks to borrow the weed whacker. And then the Red Baron attacks Grandpa, causing him to fall over in his wheelchair. And somehow the Baron has his pills because Mickey Rooney goes searching for like his heart medication. But the Baron's got it. We meet again, Herr Spencer. Aren't you glad to see me? Looking for anything in particular? My... my... pills! I hope I haven't caused you any heartache. Thus begins the fucking quips of the Red Baron, which... <laughs> uh... ma wow I love Michael it. Michael McDonald must have worked backwards from this. Like, he locked himself in a room for three days and came out with 50 of these quips and then was like, I guess I gotta make a plot around this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Greg, and then he was like, fuck it, who needs plot? And yeah. then wrote the movie. I 
you know what? I, I sort of disagree with that. As opposed to other movies we watched, like, this movie is nothing but specificity. You, like, get <laughs> everyone's that, intentions. And there's a lot of everybody gets at least one meaty line. Like, right. even the even the EMTs. Oh, oh my God. God, the EMTs. The EMTs loading Grandpa into an ambulance. Jimmy comes out and sees that this is happening. And they're so nonchalant. Was he on Nitro? I don't know. What's nitro? It's uh, the heart medication. I don't know. I don't know. He took some pills. Yeah, it was probably nitro. Yeah. Hey, remember those cartoons where the mouse would swallow nitroglycerin and try to make himself blow up? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it's so medically inaccurate. You're right. Just the people you want loading your grandfather into a ride in the hospital. <laughs> that guy who plays the medic who made that bit, he was just like, he's like a recognizable, I, I just looked him up. His name's Jim Wise. Fun little fact, he later would become a fellow writer on Mad TV. Really? With Michael McDonald. Oh. I had no idea Michael McDonald, like, this isn't the only thing he made with Roger Corman. Really? I had no idea he was like a, he was like a Corman guy for a little bit. Yeah, he wrote the Showtime remake of A Bucket of Blood. Huh. And then he like wrote and directed <laughs> this movie called The Crazy Sitter. Crazy Sitter? Uh, yeah, I had no idea that like his career included these like wild ass things. Guten Tag, Jimmy. Jimmy has a dream of the Red Baron chasing him through the house, which then transitions into like a dream dog fight. And Grandpa calls Jimmy, waking him up, warning him about the Red Baron is coming to get him. I want you to listen good to me, Jimmy. Look at the Red Baron. He's not going to stop until every Spencer is dead. You and your dad are in big danger. No, no, Grandpa. The, the Red Baron's locked in the trunk. Everything is okay. Well, because Grandpa's in the hospital right now. Yes. And one of many near-death experiences for this poor 93-year-old Baron. <laughs> he has a rough couple days. Who also has a nurse who has not taken anybody's shits. Get comfortable. You're going to be here a while. Well, I wanted a room without windows. The only room without any windows is the morgue. The Red Baron would want me in that one. He's not the only one. What? I said, you should be safe and secure here. I'll see to that. I can't blame her for being angry because the dad is berates her constantly. And then when they're walking out to the car with the plane, he's like, I'm going to leave a bad Yelp review. Wait, Yelp doesn't <laughs> exist yet. I'm going to call her managers. And they lock the plane in the trunk and drive home, but you hear like the Red Baron in the trunk of the car. They leave. Toby Maguire figures out that the Red Baron has escaped. And then the next scene is his dad in the pool and Toby Maguire runs out of the house having gone through his gun cabinet wearing a wife beater wielding a <laughs> shotgun. Yeah, awesome. It is like one of the wildest images in a movie, especially knowing where Toby Maguire will be in less than a decade. He's at fucking 11 the whole time. And somehow Cliff DeYoung, who's like literally just like taking bites out of his pool, like chewing the scenery, is like a sedate performance by comparison. Yeah, yes. there's so many directions you could go, like high concept, misadventure and danger. 
that only a kid believes in and like tries to get parents' attention. See Bigfoot. Right, see Bigfoot. <laughs> no, seriously, go see Bigfoot. Right. But the this one, I like that it like went full white trash with it. True American dysfunction like turned up. Yes. This is a movie that underscores just because you have money doesn't mean you have taste. Right, totally, totally. <laughs> or that like a comfortable life doesn't mean happiness. Well, don't forget, this is a couple of years after the Menendez brothers too. So like that is kind of like hanging like a pall over all I, You know what? Oh, and I, I saw it in every frame. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some good foreshadowing in this scene yes. because Clifton never gets out of the pool in this movie. And like, like <laughs> yeah. to the point where you think maybe it was in his rider where he's like, I'll do it, but I'd kind of just like to chill in the pool the whole time. <laughs> and earlier, upon the return of the Red Baron and the lightning that was happening, Toby Maguire warns his dad. Don't you think it's a little dangerous to be in the pool? We had lightning today. I'd rather be electrocuted than put up with this humidity. Besides, the storm's supposed to be moving away from us. Well, that's because he understands the climate of California. Yeah. Like, fine. We, we don't have. We don't, yeah. have we don't get lightning. Uh, there is a great moment where you hear the buzzing of the Baron's plane underscoring the yes. entire scene, but it turns out that it's just Chekhov's weed whacker. We also have Chekhov's bug zapper. I love how they use the buzzing in this movie. It's yeah. great. It would have been so lame and easier to try to make it more ominous, to like try to like turn it into a like. Or have an ominous theme. Well, it's like the Jaws theme, but grounded in reality and our heroes can hear it. Right. So it's not like we're just the audience being like, oh, Jaws is coming. Like anytime they hear that. More like diegetic. Yeah, they play it as a weed whacker. And then at one point, the dad's like listening to his headphones and they hear the buzzing of the planes. And he like yeah. instinctively swats at a fly he thinks is there. Like it's cool the way they so do it. So great. In this movie. So the Baron drops the bug zapper into the pool, electrocuting the father to death. Horrifying. And this is when I realized this was a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it must be noted that up until this point, there has been hijinks and weirdness. Right. Yeah. But this is the first part of the movie where we're like, oh, people's are going to die. It's not going to be like they get knocked out. It's no. not like, oh, they get a big owie on their head. People are about to die. The right. bloated corpse of his father floating in the pool. Yeah, floating face <laughs> down, fucking like boiling like in a witch's yeah. brew. I cannot imagine being a 90s parent going to Blockbuster, going to the children's section and their eight-year-old being like, mommy, that one. And you see Mickey Rooney's happy face and a child <laughs> on the cover. And you're just like, oh, it's a plane movie. Uh, how fun. This movie's got squibs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they put two buttons on this. A hat on a hat on a hat on a hat on a turtle on an elephant on a hat. <laughs> it's hats all the way down. Because yeah. <laughs> the neighbor says with glee, Kenny, I think you better call the cops. The kid's killing him. Loves it. Loves the idea that his neighbor is dying. And then, and then, the Baron rolls up to him and says, I just saved you a dollar fifty on your next Father's Day card. Oh. Catch you later, and so flies cool. away. So the Baron possesses like a knowledge out of time and space, and he knows the conversion rate because yeah. in his day, a greeting card would have been like a cent, yeah. not a dollar fifty. <laughs> He's Robin Williams as the genie, right? And Jimmy's mom shows up because the police have called her. Yeah, because the, 
Yeah. Yeah, because Detective Donna's dad is there. <laughs> yeah. My favorite. Don yes. Stark is oh like, if ever, if ever somebody shows up in a movie and I just look at the heavens and say, thank you, Don Stark is always that person. He's so good. Never not the best. And he's grilling Jimmy. Your son would like us to think that a toy killed your ex-husband. <laughs> no, it's not a toy. Mom. The Baron killed Dad. He wants to kill us all. Jimmy, for God's sake, don't say anything else. Why don't you see if there's something he likes on TV? And he is grilling Jimmy's mom. Mrs. Spencer, we've been informed that Jimmy's grandfather had a coronary recently? Yes. Ah, while under Jimmy's care. Yes, but that had nothing to do with Jimmy. Grandpa just forgot to take his medication. Oh. Seems like an awfully important thing to just forget. As they're taking him away because clearly he's murdered his father. Right. Like <laughs> there's no other explanation. Like And tried to kill his grandfather. Because they find the missing heart medication in Jimmy's jacket pocket, which had been planted there by the Red Baron. So all signs in a logical world point to just homicide. He thought it all out. And he's standing there with Jimmy's mom and he says, You know, experts say that ten percent of kids today have a button loose. It's comforting to to know you're not alone is like so good. nuts. So is, is, it good. Nuts? is it Detective Lewis? Is such a good line. Lorraine it's Newman's like, not having it. I mean, it does really underscore that like Michael McDonald is not a good writer, is a great writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like your opinions about this script might get like hung up on the Red Baron's quips. Which it should. Which it should. They're, they rule. <laughs> but the pirouettes this movie does between like silly and horrifying are punctuated by quips but what michael mcdonald's really like writing about and laughing at here is fascinating about like true dysfunction within the american family within the defenders of justice within the raf you know the, the raf within fucking the way we lionize soldiers within the way we uh honor and lionize healthcare workers he's sort of laughing at it all in a very hashtag twisted way michael mcdonald then shows up yes. in yeah. the movie yes. to be like just just so you remember motherfucker i wrote this yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> michael mcdonald shows up as a psychologist who's grilling Jimmy. You know, I can remember back to when I was 16. Boy, did I hate my parents. It's kind of an angry time, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting to be. Looks to me like you've had more fights than Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, not that you don't have every reason to be angry, Jimmy. I'd be pissed. I don't want you to talk about my family. Secretly recording their conversation. Is he an accredited psychologist? Unclear. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. He's going against all HIPAA rules. Is he a cop in in a white jacket? Yes, probably. <laughs> I, I, you got to give it to him that like I, it's it's awesome to have a writer and a performer write themselves into a movie knowing that they can't be trusted. Yeah. Right. If he were to be sincere in a movie, I would be like, well, I don't trust that for a fucking minute. <laughs> right. That is a baller move yeah to be like yeah i'm the, i'm gonna typecast myself in my own film meanwhile 
we forgot to mention that the detective is bringing the plane down as like evidence and it falls and it breaks a wing and the mom is bringing the plane back inside with the broken wing back at home and she calls the hospital to speak with grandpa but the nurse says that he's sedated and in the background of the shot the mini red baron gets out of the plane and i think repairs the wing it's unclear to me what's happening here. She comes back and sees that, like, the wing is fixed, and she pulls the completely different Baron out of the cockpit, which is the most egregious one we get of the entire the film. The consistency extends also to where the plane was. Like, she places it down on top of a fruit bowl, walks away, comes back. Fruit bowl is completely disappeared to the point where I'm like, did he, like, eat the fruit? Like, what are we supposed Baron. to gather he did between shots of this? <laughs> yeah, she does pick up a peeled banana. Yeah, what does Which, that mean? I, it's baffling. Yeah, hungry. I don't know, but she's also drinking cheap ass brandy, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, she's got. She's like down and cooking sherry by herself in her fucking. <laughs> you would too if your ex husband, who you've probably always wished dead, now suddenly is dead. Yeah. Your father in law, who you still love. And she's like, ew, VS, not even VSOP. Get out of here. <laughs> The one little bit of like thrilling and chilling they try to do before the rampage is the engine goes a bit like, well, her back is turned and she's a little suspicious, like who, what's happening here? This is spooky. There's like the Baron's red plane, but then like the walls are yellow, the kitchen cabinets and everything are like blue. Like Lorraine Newman's wearing like denim and her hair is like auburn. Like it is primary colored as fuck. It, it is like Tim Burtony, yeah. but ethereal, a little dreamy. The Baron speaks directly to her and then we get shenanigans abound. Aren't you going to answer it? Ah! Whoa, it's a yeah. <laughs> Smashing window, Frau Spencer. You didn't even say off we the same. The Baron flies down the chimney. Oh my god. Turns to her and says, Ho ho ho, have you been a good girl, Carol? Ho ho ho, now I have a biplane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There's endless quips in this scene. He says, you turn my world upside down. Oh, so good. Sweet. Uh, and then Carol drives off. Well, not before the Red Baron looks at the shotgun shells. Yes. Oh, 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 oh stru- yes. Strewn around. From the gun cabinet. She was loading a shotgun earlier. And so that there's all these extra, uh, yeah, extra bullets on the ground. And he's upside down as she's leaving, sees all of the bullets, and now realizes that he has unlimited ammunition yes. for oh, the rest my. of the world. Like, oh, he's, oh. he's picked up the machine gun and the machine gun has unlimited ammo. Yeah. Which, like, how? God how, mode. How do you turn a human shotgun shells into little bullets to come out of a toy Gatling gun inside this biplane? <laughs> you t- yeah, you take the buckshot. Yeah, shot you take the buckshot t- out and you load them into the magazine of the machine gun. <laughs> Look, this is certainly not the realm of believability that I got caught up in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love that that moment also marked the difference between, like, the silly sort of gun fake we've been watching two gruesome shooting deaths will follow after this like the rest of this movie the bullets are real now folks <laughs> and this is a great scene because Michael McDonald is trying to like get Tobey Maguire to spill the beans and when he freaks out and, and starts shaking him then we get a redheaded orderly who has to take him to <gasps> solitary confinement oh, I guess I've, character I felt so awful for you know I don't know why you're so down 
This place isn't bad at all. If you behave, eventually they let you out. Then you can work here. That's what happened to me. Really? So, uh, how'd you get in here in the first place? I had this thing about fire. And then immediately gets fucking mowed down. <laughs> the yeah. Red Baron flies in and just destroys him. I gotta give it to Robert Gordon. Just like that death also is like so well directed. The Red Baron's coming down the hallway and shoots. And it seems like Toby Maguire and the orderly like dive out of the way. And the orderly lands on top of Toby Maguire. Waits for a second. Tony McGuire's like, get off, man. Rolls him over and sees the bullet holes in his chest. That's like a cool reveal. Because the next thing we see, Michael McDonald's psychiatrist get killed. But not before mom fucking prison breaks or (laughs) drives through the gate. Which is also like a great sly joke because she's driving a Mercury Cougar and she is a Cougar. I got very confused because they kept calling her a Cougar. And I was like, what an interesting runner. Jimmy's trying to escape. Michael McDonald like gives him keys, but Jimmy's trying to use the keys and they're the wrong keys. He tries to chase. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. That's that's like next level evil. It's so <laughs> brilliant. And he, he pulls a taser and tr- it is about to tase him. And then the, the Baron- The biggest stun gun. It's so huge. It's massive. Yeah. And the, the Baron guns him down. Jimmy exits and hops in the cougar and is followed by the police and the Baron. Thus starts probably the most uplifting car chase music that's ever existed in any movie. They're on the like dumb and dumber road trip music while they're getting pursued by the police and a killer toy, which will then end in a well-placed pipe truck rolling over and the cop car jackknifing, creating not only a a huge dilemma for taxpayers, but also the lost lives of servicemen. And it's like, do, 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 do. Jesus, hold on! Patriotic synth. Like, it, it feels like yeah. a, a, a Sousa marching band, but played on a Casio, basically. <laughs> but, th- but there is a great moment where they're like driving, and he's like, But you believe me, mom, right? And it's like this touching, like, Of course I do. And it's like, Of course she does. There's literally a plane flying above your car shooting at you. Like, there's no room for no belief at the moment. Not only does the police car jackknife, they jackknife and flip over, and we get maybe my favorite quip. The ladies always flip for me. There was a moment there, though. He does say, it's time for the old Baron to disappear like a bad dream. And and that was like a moment where Ooh. I was like, is he gonna fucking split at the end of this movie? And everyone's just like, the kid did it. Yeah. And oh. I was so into that idea, knowing that, of course, that wouldn't happen. I don't know. That's pretty plausible for this kind of movie. It also doesn't not happen. Well, tragedy struck a Brookville family today as a man was found electrocuted in his swimming pool. The grotesquely charred, bloated carcass of Richard Spencer was discovered by a neighbor who was quoted as saying, The smell was like that of any other barbecue, only the meat was different. No one even called Grandpa to tell him his son had died. (laughs) 
horribly. No, but he had to learn about it on the, like usually they like confirm with the family before they release the names, but they not only release this man's name, which happens to be Richard Spencer. Richard Spencer. Which, yeah, yeah, his name is <laughs> Richard is, Spencer. Which is like a, a prophetic moment in a way. Yep. Super yep, cool. But how he died and the quote from the neighbor. Now back to the studio for Elmer's restaurant review. <laughs> <laughs> That reporter wanted to be down in like LA City Hall covering election fraud or something. Like he hates <laughs> yep. being on this assignment. Also, at the same time, that is how a, a man is learning his son has died. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, because their car has jackknifed, Toby McGuire and his mom have taken a cab to break grandpa out of the hospital in the middle of the night. And they're bartering with the cab driver for like five minutes, yes. which is. Another one of these moments where it's just like a completely ancillary character has a lot more screen time than is necessary, but also rules. A wild mad TV sketch appeared for a second. It's like a real moment where they're like, we literally have no money. Please help us. Here's like a very valuable watch. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. And then he fucking peels out. <laughs> and Toby Maguire, like this is like a moment I feel like we all have these where like we understand that everybody is flawed around age 15 or 16 <laughs> that, that like our parents are not perfect people yeah hey i can't believe that you just just can't trust anybody i know it was a ten dollar watch and he's, like, and, he, and he's just like everybody y'all suck like I'm, I'm i'm the victim here in every respect they rescue the grandpa and i love the baron calls the nurse to get the grandpa's room number and he he's, he just cackles maniacally on the end of the phone and the nurse is like all right whatever God love you, that. you, you love you also love to see it in a movie where where they did not have an idea exactly what was going to be said on the other line yeah because she goes like uh, hello and he's clearly still there like like making noise like if i if i hear somebody just laughing on the other end i'm not like hello hello all right, all right. Like, yeah no you're gonna it's let great. me in on the joke well fine rude she goes and she finds the empty bed and she's killed also by the baron because she wronged the spencers yeah i mean beauty is in the gun sights of the beholder oh. is, oh. is the greatest thing anyone's ever written yeah, yeah. and i'm sorry <laughs> fucking sorry everyone yeah. else. move over so sorry shakespeare yeah. sorry yes. everyone the fact that Michael McDonald was not given the National Poet Laureate Award for that. It <laughs> me, like sort of invalidates the whole concept, doesn't it? <laughs> The Spencers arrive home and arm themselves, waiting for the Baron. A good gun-loading scene in a children's movie <laughs> yes. is... A children's adventure romp. That fighting the Red Baron scene, both in reality and the surreality of the hallucination, does go on for quite a while. It is... It is <laughs> and I love how they kick it off, because Jimmy hears, like, the whirring of the, the Red Baron's plane and runs to the door, brandishing a shotgun, yeah. and opens it, and it's Lou, the neighbor, returning the weed whacker to its dead owner? Why did yeah. he return it? Why, <laughs> why would you, if you, thought, if you thought nobody was there, why'd you knock on the we door? All, yeah. Yeah. We all deal with grief in our own ways. Like, I, like his, his... I just, if you don't have a weed whacker and you're already borrowing it all the time from your neighbor and like you saw that he was dead, like, I don't know, I'd maybe just keep the weed whacker. <laughs> Damn, Jamie. So that says a lot more about yeah, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we get another sound fake out where Jimmy says, will you turn that thing off? But it's actually now the Baron. Yeah. And the Baron shoots Lou because of course he does. 
does. And we get a completely madcap scene of everyone trying to shoot the Baron, but missing. And this is when the Well, grand- not just missing. I know I hit him. You can't kill him with bullets. What are we going to do? We have to hope for a thunderstorm. What? Lightning. They're like holed up in this palatial estate and they're being fired upon by the Baron. And it feels like the really, really wild bunch. (laughs) (laughs) The wild Brady bunch. Yeah, they shoot at him for a while and they've been gearing up and suddenly, seemingly apropos of nothing, Grandpa has this like, has like a moment of clarity where he's just (laughs) like, oh, right, I forgot that all this stuff that we've been doing for the last two hours is actually bullshit. Could have mentioned that when they were loading the guns, maybe. Yeah, we better hope for rain because it's got to kill them with lightning. Which will never happen in Southern California. It's it's like, you're going to need a lot of praying, I think. (laughs) I love how the Baron gets them out of the house. He drops a mini mustard gas grenade. It's this little tiny, like, for his little puppet hands, this little grenade. Which is, okay, which is like the only moment in the movie where we actually have no idea where that came from. Like, like, was it part, why would it have been part of the toy? Did the grandpa build it and then like. You think that the grandpa built a functional, small mustard mustard gas bomb. I mean, I'm I'm just making sure that that's what you're saying. (laughs) No, I'm saying maybe he built a toy and then the dark magics made the toy but bo- I don't like know. That, that, like no. that book, The Indian in the Cupboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's the first people in the cupboard. <laughs> no, now it's the Washington football team in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> like the fight scene between the mom and Jimmy and the Red Baron, it, it does go on for a while and it is like, they don't cut a lot out of it and it, uh, it, it I think- <laughs> Which is funny to, considering the movie was directed by another. Editor. Right. It narratively <laughs> loses a bit of steam but like, as I started to tune out from like the story, I couldn't ever not enjoy it because I was confronted by the like stark truth that Lorraine Newman and a young Tobey Maguire shooting like shotguns up in the air while Mickey Rooney drools in the corner is peak cinema. And like, you can never truly forget that fact. Like it's why we started to burn images on celluloid in the first place. It's so, so dreams like this could be realized. And to be fair, the movie does understand that watching Tobey Maguire handle a controller for five minutes gets boring, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't expect that, but it, but then it turns out that it does. And right as you get like truly bored of it, then we get the like back to the beginning yeah. doing this like air show for a NASCAR race. Yeah. <laughs> Except now it's Jimmy, 90s Jimmy's consciousness in the body of his grandfather. That looked exactly like who him. Who looked exactly like him <laughs> fighting the Red Baron. And is like aware that he has traveled. Wow, this movie, this movie's fucking wild, man. <laughs> we didn't forget a good portion of the shooting scene, which was Jimmy winds up in the pool, and a good portion of it is is Tobey Maguire ducking underwater, coming back up as he's shooting at into the bullets into the pool, Yo. and then he shoots the cover over it, thus fulfilling the fears of every '90s parent in the world, as Jimmy now cannot come up for air because of a tarp. Has that ever has that ever happened? to you have you ever gotten like yourself sort of caught under a pool cover no never 
I have. Because the 90s told me to fear that. Yep. I have. I like have like tried to like swim under a pool cover and just like misjudged how long it was and come up and been blocked by the pool cover. It is like a truly terrifying experience. It's one of those experiences where your brain is just like, all right, now we're an animal again. Here's all your adrenaline and all the superpowers you have access to. Let's see if you survive. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the Ninja Turtles told me not to do that at some point. (laughs) I sort of like expected with the tone of this movie, like he died. <laughs> that like the Red Baron would keep him under cover fire and like Lorraine Newman under cover fire too for so long that he'd eventually like drown in the pool and Lorraine Newman would have to like deal with defeating the Red Baron with her like son's corpse floating next to her. like that was I was ready for that. At this point in the film, anything is plausible is right. the thing. Because when they go into the dream sequence, you're like, all right, sure, why not? But Jimmy's planning now to fly the Red Baron into the electrical cables to recreate the lightning that sent him here, I guess. But the problem is there's no electricity. So Grandpa wheels over to the power box and the Baron, when he flies into the electrical cables, he says, Admit it, Jimmy. I haven't done anything that you didn't wish you could do yourself. Well, that's all over with, Baron. Nobody will believe you, Jimmy. Nobody. This is when I wrote, what's real anymore? (laughs) Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. The lessons you learned, Josh. I mean, the lesson that I learned is whether it's in the reality of this movie or in the reality of reality, the Red Baron has won. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they do at this point. He won. Yeah, he absolutely won. And even here in the world, he won. Like, he is a famous killer of people. <laughs> like, he did it. He fucking, in his 20, he lived fast, died young, and shot down, I guess, the right 80 people to be remembered <laughs> forever as, like, a number one great guy. <laughs> the outcome of this doesn't matter. The Red Baron has already won. He's destroyed this family. Destroyed, He's destroyed this family. Yeah. And there's He's no. destroyed the Spencer successfully. Everyone who has seen the Red Baron has died, except for the dementia-addled, recently uh, like electrified 93-year-old, the shaken and desperate mother who wants to keep her 16-year-old out of juvenile hall, and the suspect in multiple murders are the three people who can say a toy did it. It's all your own inference whether or not Jimmy, like, doesn't go to jail in the epilogue of this movie. (laughs) That's up to you. That's up to you, the audience member. Mickey Rooney connects two wires in an Acme-style explosion, sending the Red Baron back to the hell from whence he came and electrocuting himself in the process. But he's fine. He's just got some you know, some schmutz on his face. He's he's not only fine, he's immediately fine. Yeah. We literally <laughs> cut from yeah. we literally cut from a shot of him having literally suicided himself for his family to the very next shot very abruptly. He's there, totally fine in his wheelchair while his daughter-in-law and grandkid hug as the police leave. Because, the police leave. Yeah. yeah. It's, they're off scot-free. The police leave. Which is weird because the only body that would have been there, oh, I guess it would have been Luz. Yeah. yeah. Which is even weirder then because they're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess the Red Baron did shoot your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it was a toy all along. Yeah. And the movie, the you know, camera pulls back and we see a parachute hanging out of a tree. And we hear the Red Baron's disembodied voice say, 
It's never over. The real question of this movie is, do you think that the Red Baron truly existed or is this a sort of mass hysteria given to each other by the family? Because the only people who actually see and confirm that the Red and Baron survive. exists and survive <laughs> are the family. Neither conclusion explains why Tobey Maguire gets off scot-free at the end because there is no proof that he did not murder a whole town of people. I don't think we know that he did. We don't see like Donna's dad from that 70s show doesn't like come back. <laughs> And say, like, you're off, kid. Uh, sorry, we, we was the Red Baron after all. Sorry we didn't trust you. Like, I think he might be locked away and this is all in his head. Or these things all did happen, but he still is culpable for all these murders. It's the only way that you could really explain the fact that Grandpa can pick up two frayed ends of electrical wire, put them together, and get electrocuted, and then in the exact next shot is totally fine. Well, right. that's the difference between the greatest generation and baby boomers, Greg, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some guys can handle their electricity, and some guys can't. But unfortunately, the movie in that moment is over. was <laughs> over. Uh, which is unfortunate because I probably could have watched another two hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I could do a sequel. I'm surprised this wasn't, yeah, this wasn't a franchise in the way that Chucky was. Let's be Are real. Are you surprised? I would much rather have a uh, Revenge of the Red Baron 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7 than like a Chucky or Listen, even all, a Listen, all I'm going to say is that despite what the movie says, lightning doesn't really strike twice. <laughs> yeah. It's really over. Never over. After the turn of the century, in the clear blue skies over Germany, oh came God, a yes. roar and a thunder <laughs> men had never heard, like the screaming sound of a big war bird. Up in the sky, a man <laughs> in the plane, Baron von Richthofen was his name. Eighty men tried and eighty men died. Now they're buried together on the countryside. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more. The bloody red baron was rolling up the score. 80 men died, but discussing that would be hard. So let's just watch the movies in the ripoff report card. <laughs> The Revenge of the Red Baron ripoff report card is brought to you by Duncan's Toy Chest. Home Alone 2 would be a much scarier movie if the night they broke into Duncan's Toy Chest was just the beginning of their nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Pediophobia is the clinical name for fear of dolls. <laughs> <laughs> now, most people who are creeped out by the sleepy eyes and still childlike expressions wouldn't classify their fear as full-blown phobia, but the fact remains, no one trusts a scary toy. Dolls and puppets have roots in ancient history and have evolved over the years, finding their place in society changing with the social mores of society and our relationship to childhood. For a long time, children were thought of as merely soon-to-be adults. But in the 19th century, society started to view childhood as a time of innocence and development. Dolls were introduced to help children cope, learn, and reinforce gender norms. 
problems. As technology developed, so too did the ability to craft faces and bodies that more closely mimicked real children. <laughs> Ken Hoyt, who works at London's Pollock Toy Museum, says visitors often skip the old doll room, especially in the winter months when it tends to get dark early and are particularly <laughs> creeped out by the more lifelike figures. Can't imagine why. The development of the, quote, sleepy eyes technology Ooh. surely added to many adult nightmares over the years. And as horror movies often reflect back society's fears and collective unconscious, it would be only a matter of time for exploitation filmmakers to tap into such fertile ground. With Annabelle of the Conjuring and the rebooting of the Child's Play franchise, killer dolls haven't really left Vogue since their modern major studio introduction in 1982's Poltergeist. But creepy companions have been popping up in films since at least the mid-30s in films like Devil Doll and the anthology film Dead of Night. In the 70s, the world was gifted an unforgettable knife-wielding fetish doll in the made-for-TV opus Trilogy of Terror and its 1996 sequel, and it's only ramped up from there. 1978 had Taurus Trap, about psychically controlled mannequins, and was Full Moon Titan Charles Band's first foray into the genre he would later reinvent with the Puppet Master franchise, Demonic Toys, and many more. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, Child's Play Remains is the most potent example even if it was beaten to the punch by Stuart Gordon's dolls by over a year. Since Child's Play, killer dolls and toys have been mainstays in modern horror, featuring not only in the Chucky and Puppet Master franchises, but in Goosebumps, Dead Silence, pretty much every Charles Band production, Tales from the Hood, Pinocchio's Revenge, Krampus, tons of movies. And to his credit, Mickey Rooney seemed to have found a niche. Apart from the Red Baron, he also starred in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, The Toy <laughs> Maker, where he creates killer toys. And in 1971's The Manipulator, where he kidnaps a woman and locks her in a creepy prop warehouse. What? What? So, when your heart starts to race as you feel the gaze of a million unblinking eyes upon you, don't forget... No one will believe you if you say you saw one of the moves. <laughs> now Snoopy had swore that he'd get that man. So he asked the great pumpkin for a new battle plan. He challenged the German to a real dog fight. While the Baron was laughing, he got him in his sight. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more. Cartoons we made about this dude who did war. He <laughs> died, but discussing that would be hard. So let's just watch the movies of the rip-off report card. All right, class of video high. That's about as much actual history as I ever want to learn in this school. <laughs> uh, so, what are we walking away from the Revenge of the Red Baron with? What could be on that final test? One thing that this podcast has sort of taught me, which I actually really appreciate, is a lot of movies had TV series in the 90s that I was not privy to. 
because when I was doing research, I found out Lorraine Newman was a part of the Problem Child TV series, which what? was news to me. Uh, Cliff D. Young was part of the RoboCop TV series, which also a lot of other <laughs> character actors have been a part of. And also, why did we have a Magnificent Seven TV series in 1998? <laughs> <laughs> Who was greenlighting these? <laughs> Who saw RoboCop one through three and went, I guess we gotta serialize it. God. <laughs> Time really is a fucking flat circle, isn't it? Like, the fact that we got, like, a Lethal Weapon TV show, like, three years ago. God yeah, damn. Like, like, we learned no lessons. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we learned no fucking lessons. Uh, speaking of learning no lessons, my final thought <laughs> is that I think this movie teaches you that we, to maybe, like, it is an absurd, ridiculous not a solely American thing, but the American flavor of it is like particularly absurd that we like get so misty and weepy and honorific towards these people who have done horrible things. And that's why I think before you start going out there calling people heroes, just remember some of the bad things Tobey Maguire did too. <laughs> and honestly, in the year 2021, you can't say you're just into history if you're still decorating your home with pussy posse paraphernalia. Casey, yeah. it's their story. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for thank you for holding me accountable. Man, forget the cliche that the butler did it. I, I want more and more movies where the uh, killer doll in a biplane did it. That, that's what I want, honestly. Josh, what are your final thoughts? I mean, I don't know what what can I say. I mean, this movie was just. I'll make sure all your thoughts are truly final, video high. Oh, no! <laughs> Here we go. That was a close one, classmates. Let me just get these credits in here before the Red Baron finds us again. Thank you so much to our teacher, Philip Marlowe. Rest in peace. Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for the theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos did our bed music. Thank you, Ann Shearer, for our logo. And thank you, Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for additional music in this episode. And thanks to the entire Video High crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Josh Roth, and me, Jamie Kennedy. Join us next week on the podcast for Supernatural Thrills with 1985's The Oracle. Due to a connection with a mysterious planchette, Jennifer becomes the vessel through which a ronned ghost exacts his revenge. Special guest Sav Smith joins us for a Roberta Finlay deep dive. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button with the precision of a World War I flying ace! I like how this podcast is slowly just becoming radio theater. <laughs> Welcome to Fright Vale. <laughs> In your ear. Podcast Network.